welcome to the Hobby Tassel podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Candice. This is the podcast for creatives run by two fellow business owners who discuss the ups and downs of creative entrepreneurship. From dealing with imposter syndrome to celebrating new business milestones, we're here to talk about all of them with you. Hi, welcome back to the Hobby Tussle podcast. I'm here with co-host Candice and today we have our first ever guest. We have Ellen who is here to talk about burnout today. So Ellen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First of all, I didn't realize I was your first guest, so thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, my, name's, my name's Ellen, um, and I am, we're probably going to get into a little bit of my background, so I don't really know how much introducing of myself I should get into, but I go by Coach Ellen online because I have a super German last name that nobody knows how to pronounce. Um, and yeah, I'm actually a former scientist, so I know I'm kind of coming from a weird background doing this work, but most important thing is I burned out long before I started coaching burnout. So I've kind of come from the lens of somebody who's been there and experienced it and is still kind of learning my way through some of it. So I don't really know what else to add to my introduction, but y'all can ask me any questions, I guess, if you want me to dive deeper into anything. Candice, you made a face when I said former scientist. I did. I definitely did because that is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, my first bout of burnout happened when I was getting my PhD. So I was doing, I did research in undergrad um, and I went to go get my PhD because that's just what you do when you're doing science research. And grad school is a rude awakening. We'll just say that. Um, And I burned out in a fiery blaze of glory in grad school. Oh, Jesus. But I can see how like that would be for any for anyone, I guess, how school could be your first experience with uh with a burnout and it's most of the time people just tell you oh that's just stress because I remember when I experienced burnout for the first time I was like what is going on like my mind is all like messed up um I'm tired all the time and blah 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 and everyone's like oh yeah because it's exams you're just stressed it's just some stress it'll go away soon and no one ever actually talks about burnout in at school actually because i've noticed i've never talked about it other than when i'm at work Mm -hmm. that's very true yeah they never mentioned it at uni (laughs) yeah Yeah, and i do find i feel like that's usually people's first experiences with it and i don't like that we minimize it as like just stress but i think the difference is how i've kind of always differentiated them is when you're in school it usually might just be stress I think of stress as being short term, like stress is acute. You are stressed for a period of time. It might be a week. It might be a month. But when the stress kind of becomes your lifestyle, when you've been just stressed for like three months, six months, a year, it's not just stress anymore because then that really starts to weigh on you. So that's kind of the differentiator for me is stress. It could just be stress, but it's stress is short term. And burnout is long-term. Burnout is usually, especially for certain personality types, it kind of becomes like a lifestyle. <laughs> you me working till 12 a.m. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by it becomes a lifestyle? Like what would a, how would someone recognize that they are burning out? I mean, I would definitely say that it becomes a lifestyle. I work with a lot of people that I deem to be like, I call them high achievers. And where that came from for me was the personality test, the Enneagram. I remember the first time I took the Enneagram, I've never felt so understood by a personality (laughs) test ever in my life because I am an Enneagram three. I am a high achiever. And those are people who they base their entire worth their entire enoughness, like every aspect of their life is validated by what they achieve, how much they're producing and how people see them. And I mean, I wish I could say that I am not an externally validated Gemma. (laughs) I wish I could say I'm not an externally validated human, but I am. And there's so much stuff that I do or you at least used to do because of how people saw me and how it reflected on me I had a random employee in Home Depot when he asked oh what are you majoring in I was like oh I'm getting a PhD in wait for it guys microbiology 
My PhD was in microbiology and immunology. <laughs> um, and do you want to know what he said to me? He goes, wow, you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> and I got like a sick, twisted satisfaction out of somebody <laughs> reacting to my degree in that way. And that's kind of what I mean by it's a lifestyle. Because for people who think like me, we make decisions like it's the people who they wear busy as a badge of honor and they constantly pride themselves on how many things they're able to juggle. Like there are definitely people who think like that. And for them, burnout is a lifestyle because it's literally how they live their life. If I'm busier, that means I'm doing life right. That's how those people approach things. And burnout becomes a lifestyle for those people. So that's kind of what I mean by burnout being a lifestyle. I have to say like... I find myself blushing a bit because it's just, it's so relevant to me. Like I, I definitely always take on way too much and, and then I just crash because like right now, I've been saying to Candice, like (laughs) Candice, I'm going to burn out. I'm going to burn out. And for me, the telltale sign for me is working till a silly time at night. So I've started working till 11 p.m 12 a.m at night every night oh so that was a real life example when yeah you said that that's, that's what i'm doing okay. right now <laughs> yeah oh my gosh and i Actually, know as ellen was saying that too yeah i was thinking Gemma. i'm like this is yeah Gemma. <laughs> and i know that it isn't sustainable to be working like that but for me i also have this urge to like get on top of things i always think oh i'll finally get on top of things if I work till stupid o'clock, but the list never, ever ends. Yeah, especially as a small business owner, you know, you could carry on working every second of every day. You know, with a nine to five, I understand you 100% can get burnout from a nine to five. But for a lot of people, quite often, you may go home and have that time to switch off. With a business, it's really, really hard to switch off. And I think this isn't helpful for people who'd like to achieve lots of things. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really, it's a lot of self-awareness, which I think Mm. is where I kind of approach burnout a little differently Mm. is I approach it very much from kind of an emotional side. I think, you know, when you think of burnout, you think, oh, I need to take better care of yourself, which you do. When you think of burnout, you might think, oh, I need better productivity systems, which you do. All of those things are relevant. All of those things are relevant to burnout. But I think the way we get as as that kind of a personality, the way that you get out of that mindset of, oh, I just need to work until 12 and it's going to fix everything. I feel like we sincerely need to just call bullshit on some of the thoughts that we have. Like when you think to yourself, oh, I'm just going to work until 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. And then that'll that'll fix everything that I'm dealing with right now. And that'll fix the stressors like you kind of just did it a second ago where you called BS and you're like, well, that's not because there's going to be more things and you're never going to run out of to do's. And I think, too, for a lot of us, it's not just your work. It's not just your your work life. It's also we can burn out from workout programs. Like if you're somebody who feels like to to be a fit human or to be healthy even, you need to work out for two hours every single day. You can burn out from that. You can burn out from social engagements. I mean, shoot, if you're an introvert and you try to be like, I must socialize every day to have a good social life, you're going to burn out from your social life. So it's really important, I think, to think about not just our tasks and our to-dos from a career or work perspective or a business perspective, I think about it like what's on your plate? Your plate is your entire life. Like if you put a plate in front of you, what is on that? What commitments? What obligations? Is it manageable? Like is that like a reasonable sized meal for you to sit down and eat? Or is it like American Thanksgiving every single day and you're just like piling shit on that plate? Because that is not sustainable. It's okay for a season. It's okay for a period of time. Stress is stress is actually in a lot of ways a good thing. Stress is adaptive. But if it's your life, that's you when hear, it's... Sorry, can you hear a cat? I'm not sure if it's mine or Candace's. <laughs> I just hear meow. I could not hear a cat, maybe, but I think we found the culprit. Maybe Candace's. 
<laughs> I thought it was my end, but no, it's Candace's end. Please tell me you guys keep stuff like this in it because I think this kind of stuff's so funny when I'm listening to podcasts of, oh, there was a kitty. Yeah, but when I try doing some YouTube uh, guest interviews, my cats, I don't know what it is, they seem to sense when I'm recording and they will jump up to get attention. And it, they would never jump up on the table normally. It's just when I'm recording. Um, Are you doing that... video calls when you do that? Yeah. This is our so tangent I... of the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, that actually happens a lot. In my day job, I'm a professional tutor. So I work with high schoolers um, and tutor all sorts of subjects. I spent four hours yesterday doing calculus. It was painful. Um, but cats during our video calls, because it's all on Zoom, Oh my God, they assert themselves. They are like, human, you are not paying enough attention to me. Screw your math homework. Screw the lady on the screen. It is my time. And they literally like lay down in front of the keyboard or like stick their face in the camera. Snowy tried to sleep on my laptop the other day. (laughs) And obviously like when he was walking all over, he was pressing all the buttons and he often sleeps on my, yeah, he always tries to sleep on my keyboard or he moves the mouse off the mouse mat. Yeah, he's an attention hog. <laughs> yeah, no, Cabbage is the one crying because he, I closed the door so I could do the recording and William left like for the car dealership doors. today. <laughs> yeah, they don't. But he also is like super attached to him. And so Cabbage like saw William leave today. He already howled at the, in the hallway. But since I have this door closed and he can hear someone in it, he thinks William's in here. Oh. And so now he knows he's not here, so he's trying to get back out. So we can wait for him in the hallway. <laughs> you're, so not, you're, like, the you're not the human I was looking for. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know where we left off on. Bye, Kitty. So you you were using a metaphor about <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner and eating far too much, um, which is funny. And what I found really interesting is that you mentioned like socialization in there because actually I'm like an ambivert like sometimes I love being around people and I get joy when I'm with other people but it feels like oh that's my week like written off and you know times where I have like three social engagements like one per weekend I, I feel flustered then in the rest of my life I'm like oh I'm doing so much even though it's a fun activity it still feels like stuff added to my plate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I get the same way. Um, I relish a weekend where I have no plans. Like I have no social activities, especially because, and this is, I think the thing that a lot of people started realizing during COVID and when we were in quarantine, or if you have any sort of job where you do a lot of video calls, I had actually, this kind of pissed me off when it happened, actually. I had a friend, therapist friend, who was just like, Ellen, I don't understand why you need so much alone time. You literally spend all of your time alone. Which is true in a sense. I live by myself, but I am in video calls. Sometimes I do upwards of 30 hours of video calls every week because my job is completely remote and I am on Zoom for my job. If I'm working, I'm on a Zoom call. And... It is like Zoom fatigue is real. There was a Stanford study that came out during COVID that basically said we get freaking exhausted when we're on video calls because it's so much harder to pick up on social cues. So if you do a lot of that in your day job and then you try to go out and you try to socialize a whole bunch, it it's exhausting. I need like massive amounts of recharge time at the end of the week because I'm just done with video calls. And it's the same thing when you tack on social commitments on top of that. Yeah. That sounds really painful because I, I remember this week I was writing down some of the stuff that so I when Gemma said that she was feeling burnout, I actually burnt out and felt really sick. I would say last week I didn't tell anyone other than my husband because I was like, I don't think I'm burning out. But then after writing down all the things that I was feeling, I was like, oh, OK, I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling really foggy I'm feeling this is not going away in like one day and it's just even if I'm sitting here I'm feeling stressed and trying to not think about anything else I'm feeling exhausted so I started doing this thing where I write down what I did uh, I told Gemma about this this is my did list but I've also tacked on another thing onto that list is that after I finish writing that list I write on a scale of one to ten how tired I am at the end of the day And then I'll try to see 
like if there's a pattern of what I'm doing that's causing a higher number and I've noticed so far I haven't noticed anything yet um, that seems to be a pattern with other than lack of sleep and like if I slept at 2 or 3 a.m. I would add I would go you know maybe 6 out of 10 plus 3 automatically because I slept at 2. It's the cat again. The cat's back. <laughs> yeah, the cat's back. Oh my god. But yeah, I have noticed that what you said earlier, which was the high achiever thing, I on the days where it seemed like my number was smaller, like on a five out of ten day, I was like, hmm. I don't think I achieved enough because I'm feeling five out of ten only. Oh. That that was actually what I was thinking. I actually I wrote it down. And That's the, and such a the, powerful observation. I love this like way yeah. you're doing. This. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, it was another thing. Speaking of external validation as well, earlier, I give that list to my husband for him to check it over. Oh no! Every day. I'm not even kidding. I have one laid like, out on his desk right now. Just in case you missed something, or just so he yes. can be like, "You done good, kid." <laughs> both, both. He so I would expect him to go like, "Oh, you did really well," and then I'll be like, "I don't feel like I did that much today." I would say that if I'm not feeling happy with a day, and then mm -hmm. he'll fill out my list even more. He'll be like, "Well, you made lunch all by yourself. You like you made a full meal." You did the laundry today as well. You mm -hmm. did this. You did that. And I'll be like, right. I, I, yeah, let's add mm -hmm. more to the list. And I'll be like, I'll add more tiredness too. Just because, yeah, I, I have seven sheets right now. And they're just like on these little white sheets. Like, see, like this is yesterday. Um, It's just a little sheet. And then I leave it on his desk. That is so <laughs> interesting, though, that you know that if you don't feel like you had like your your tiredness score isn't high enough that you don't feel like you did enough that day. That's so interesting. Honestly, though, I probably do the exact same thing. Like I kicked my own butt yesterday. I don't know why, but I've been waking up like really early the last couple of days. I think it's just because I've been going to bed at like like 10 and sleeping really well. And so I hit like 536 in the morning and my body's just like, I'm good. And it just wakes up and I just start my day. And yesterday... I woke up at 530. I had like done three quarters of my hab my like daily habits and gone on a walk by like 830 a.m. Like even this morning by 9 a 915, I had done the majority of my habits. I'd gone grocery shopping and I picked yeah. up my prescription by 915 <laughs> this morning. And like last night I hit 8 p.m. and I was just like, I am done one of my families that i tutor texted me at 8 30 and i didn't see their text until this morning because i put my phone away and i was just like checked out of life and it's something sometimes it like feels good to hit that point where you're just like i have done so much today that all i can do is pass out on the couch i feel like that's what some of us aim for <laughs> yeah and this is like a random top tip from me <laughs> even though i'm really bad at like always trying to work but i have found that I'm more able to switch off when I sit at my sofa to watch something than when I sit at my desk. I think there definitely is a space thing because I have two monitors. So I'm like, okay, well, I can just watch TV whilst doing some work <laughs> whenever I'm sat at my desk and, you know, I'm not productive. I'm not relaxed. Like, it is just not good. But times where I actually sit on my sofa and just watch a TV show, it sounds so dumb for people who don't experience this probably it's really hard for me to just sit down for an hour and watch a tv show without you know wanting to check my phone to see if i have notifications of stuff i need to respond to to not check my emails to not write something down on my to-do list it's really hard for me to focus and i think it's much easier when i'm on the sofa to to try avoid it still um, Do you think it's because you can get notifications? Because I, 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 as you say that, I so, feel like I know the exact same thing that you're talking about. Yeah, so then... I have actually turned off the notifications on my phone. So I get evening updates and morning updates, which has helped. I still notice I sometimes compulsively pick up my phone to see, oh, what can I do now? What can I do now? Like, I generally open my email app around 30 times a day. I maybe get one, one or two emails a day. And there is no reason for me to be opening that email app that many times a day it's it 
is bordering on compulsive me opening up these apps to see what there is for me to do <laughs> when there's something more tangible that I could probably be doing but this is me going science nerd for a second but like that's why our phones are the way they are because I mean I'm sure you guys have heard this like you get a dopamine hit every single time you do stuff like that you open up Instagram and you see something new dopamine hit like you open up an email and even if it's spam, like you got a spam email dopamine hit. Like every single time we do stuff like that, our phones and these apps and whatnot, they are designed to give us dopamine hits and it's addictive. So that's Wait, why what? we do it. Yeah, well, it has actually been found. Yeah, it is addictive. I did not know that. Behavior. Literally the people who design phones, they are feeding your addiction that is their job is to feed these addictions that we have of these neurotransmitters that we get a hit of every single time we you know get like that that notification pop up on our phone um which i think it's it's huge to turn off notifications i got an apple watch which i actually just got a brand new one yesterday the fedex guy <laughs> delivered it to the wrong house i was pissed oh. <laughs> i had to like run up and down the stairs at my apartment at my apartment building to figure out where he put it that wasn't <laughs> my apartment um anyways rant over but i got an apple watch from my ex-boyfriend he got a new one and he gave me his old one and i hated it at first because i didn't know about how to go in and like turn off all the notifications all i knew is i had this thing on my wrist that was buzzing constantly and i was i like wanted to throw it at a wall like i was just like leave me the hell alone like i i get enough of this just sitting at my computer and then to have to deal with my computer's notifications my apple watch's notifications and my phone's notifications like it was like it was too much. It was way too much. And I had 80 bajillion speaking engagements going on at the time. So I did experience some burnout this past spring because of that, because I had no reprieve from it. Yeah. And as soon as I figured out how to turn off notifications and I don't get any notifications for phone calls or text messages on my Apple Watch, which I know is one of like the main features of it. But it's just like, I don't, I'll respond to you on my own time. Like, I don't need to respond to you right when you text me. Like, that is unnecessary. And not what I signed up for by giving you my phone number. <laughs> oh, I, speaking of which, I noticed your email signature. That's something I'm going to be copying as well. Um, Gemma, I don't know if you ever noticed her email signature. Right below her name, it says in italicized that she will not respond after 7 p.m. Because everyone also just needs human time. And I was like... I appreciate that. And I honestly, I put it Hats in off there to her. <laughs> because the more I was working with corporate clients, I did a lot of corporate speaking this past spring. Like I did uh, speaking engagements with LinkedIn, um, American Licorice Company, who they're the people who do red vines. Um, I really wanted them to send me some red vines in the mail. They didn't. <laughs> I'm still upset about it. Um, <laughs> but like I was working with all these corporate employees and I like, we'll just say I know my audience and I know that they're probably checking emails and working late into the evenings because that's just what corporate people do and I kind of came to realize that I felt guilty for not responding to them on their timelines and then I kind of started to realize like no I have two jobs I have a day job and I have a business like I'll get back to y'all tomorrow like this is unnecessary for me to operate on your timelines um I do the actually the same thing in my day job because I work with clients all over the place. I work with clients, primarily clients on the East Coast. So if I have a student or a family that text messages me or emails me at 9 a.m., 8 a.m. Eastern time, pretty reasonable time to text or email somebody, except it's 5 or 6 a.m. for me over on the West Coast. And so oh. they get an email from, they like every email I send says, these are my hours. I work from this time to this time, PST in big, bold letters. And I tell them my day's off. And I'm kind of, I think of it as you're almost, you're setting an expectation ahead of time. So really, I find that nobody gets pissed off at me for not responding to emails quickly ever in my day job or my, or my business email. Nobody gets pissed off at me. And they have very, very clear expectations for when they should expect to hear back from me because I have my boundaries and I have my work hours clearly communicated from the get-go and that is something it's so small but I found it to be so invaluable 
in our digital communication world. I love that you noticed that, Candice. <laughs> See, I've actually responded to some emails in the evenings, like inquiries, and I was like, oh, I'll just respond to them. Um, and then they'll come back and go, oh, I didn't expect a response from you this evening. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I should have just not replied. Like, I should have just waited till tomorrow. And I've had that several times where people have been like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to respond at this time. And, you know, it's it's not like 11 p.m. at night. It's like 7 p.m. at night. But people still expect me to have taken the evening off. And, you know, on my on Google My Business, which shows my working hours, it says till 5 p.m. <laughs> and actually, that's probably what I should... Candice is laughing because she knows I definitely do not follow those working hours. <laughs> but from a customer's perspective, they're not going to get upset if I respond... <laughs> the next day um yeah, i'm, I'm and laughing even think sorry, of how I many times say, too, oh go ahead go ahead Kevin. sorry <laughs> i'm laughing because Gemma also will text me after she lower highs going like oh candace i just replied someone and i just can't stop thinking about how if they get upset at me i'm i'm gonna kick myself because i'm gonna get a response back at like 10 p.m seeing about how upset they are with this pricing or whatever. I should have just not responded. Why didn't I just wait until the morning? And I'm like, so why didn't you wait until the morning? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, this is your fifth time doing that. You know what I do in a situation like that though? Cause I, it's, you're essentially like you're, spi you're spiraling. You're, I love the word catastrophizing. I'm a big Brene Brown fan and I totally co-opted that word from, from her and all of her speaking engagements, but I love it because it's what we're do we're doing. We're taking a situation and we're turning it into a catastrophe. We are catastrophizing it. And when I'm doing stuff like that, I am a big. I love processing. All right, I don't necessarily love it, but I find it tremendously helpful to just sit down and be like, "All right, I am catastrophizing over this situation. Let's just like word vomit what's going on." I and how I will do that, I will journal. I will, if I'm in my car, and I do this too when I have like a random idea when I'm driving down the highway, I literally open up the voice memos on my phone and I talk at my phone and I just talk whatever the situation is or I talk, um, I talk whatever the idea is. When I got in a fight with a boyfriend, I would, as I'm driving home, I actually had one instance where I was starting to cry and I was just like, it is raining and I am crying and I am driving and this is a really bad combination. So I pulled up my phone and I just started talking and the whole uh, process of just talking it out. You feel like a crazy person a little bit because I've totally done it when I've been in the shower too. Like I'll just talk. Um, you feel like a crazy person. But what it's doing is I find that a lot of us, we don't do that enough. So we have all of these emotions and these worries and these fears and these thoughts. Like they can be even just completely objective, impartial thoughts. We have all of these things in our brain that are completely unexpressed. And when you just process them in whatever way, you're basically externalizing them. You're getting them out of your system. Yeah. And it's, you feel, literally you feel lighter after you do that. And like sudden, the, suddenly this big situation becomes not a big situation anymore. I felt that. My therapist actually told me about that. My therapist and my sister, because my sister works at a vet. And before that, she worked at uh, a really big dog daycare center um and she was like uh she told me about how when dogs get all these energy from like all the other dogs interacting with them it's why they have that burst of energy and why their tails wag and why they shake because when they shake they're literally shaking out that energy and so when i when my therapist mentioned that i'm like oh so like a dog like when a dog is overstimulated they shake or wag their tail to get rid of that energy. She's like, yeah. I'm like, so do I have to physically shake? She's like, no, you can, you can write <laughs> you can, out your, though. you can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can do anything. It's just, you have so much energy and concentration of thoughts and stuff. It's all in you without an exit point. And you just need it to like go from one way in to one way out, kind of like a defibrillator. You can't just like put one patch on and just, you know, it's not going to work. It's going to go in and out, right? Um, so she was saying how if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's okay to not talk to anyone about it. Because I, I have the tendency of if I'm feeling overwhelmed, 
and this person is even because speaking of boundaries is allowing me to vent out to them I still feel guilty sometimes so writing it out does help because it's unfiltered then as well yeah yeah my journal is literally me talking to myself like I I'm not even joking my entire journal is let me try to see if there's a line Good evening, with an exclamation mark. I'm not sure why I put an exclamation mark there. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I journal. That's totally how I journal. I've started off journal entries with this is bullshit, like in really, really big letters. Like even if I'm like mad at technology, which is fitting because we were having massive technology issues at the start of this. Mm -hmm. Like I will go in and I'll be like, this is bullshit. I just like start journaling about that. But yeah. And there's literally like there's legitimacy to shake the shaking thing too. What is it called? There's a name for it. It's like somatic something or other. I don't remember. I used to know the name of it, but it's tied to our stress cycle. So our stress cycle is it's um, fight, flight or freeze. We've all if you've ever taken like a watch Animal Planet or you've taken a psychology planet or class, you've probably heard of the fight, flight or freeze and how that's a part of our stress cycle. Like we have some sort of a trigger Our body recognizes the trigger as a threat, even if it's an email or a phone call or whatever, it recognizes this thing as a threat. And then we go into fight, flight, or freeze. And then typically you resolve that stress cycle by doing something physical. Like if we're thinking like back at caveman days, like back in caveman days, if you were getting attacked by a saber toothed tiger, you ran. If you were like, if the neighboring tribe came to attack you, you fought them. Like there was some sort of physical thing that happened. And even if you managed to run away from the saber toothed tiger, you get back to your village and you're like, woohoo, I survived. And you do like a little dance party with your, your fellow villagers. (laughs) Like that was in caveman days. That's how we operated. We had these much more legitimate threats than we experience nowadays. And something physical had to happen for us to escape that threat. And that physical component is what resolved the stress cycle. The thing is now we don't have enough of that physical component. So if you like do do the processing and you do externalize all of the emotions that you're dealing with and it still doesn't feel like enough, that's the point where you do need to switch into almost like our version of shaking like a dog does. You can literally just tighten up your muscles, like your forearms. Like if you guys could see me right now, I literally look like constipated, but um, (laughs) just like tighten up your muscles, like hold them for a period of time. And as you do, your muscles are going to start to shake and then release. And it's a really, really subtle thing you can do that kind of tricks your brain into being like, oh, I'm safe and resolving your stress cycle. Even better than that is going for a walk or doing a workout or whatever. Something physical resolves that stress cycle. Sorry, your shaking dog comments at me on that tangent. <laughs> it's, it's surprising for me because I journal a lot and that, that helps when I feel fuzzy headed and then I journal, but... A daily walk has made a massive difference for me. Um, It's a habit that I've... It's so bad when I look back. Um, When I was having a nine-to-five job, it was an hour commuting there and an hour commuting back. So by the time I got back home, I just like... I just didn't want to do anything. Like, I didn't even go outside. So I did not walk (laughs) except for maybe one day a week. And that is so, so bad when I look back, like only going out one day a week for fresh air. Um, But with COVID and, you know, we were locked down. The only thing we were allowed to do was go outside for some fresh air. And you crave that when you're, you know, in lockdown. And it made me have a real appreciation of going outside. Just it's literally a 10 minute walk a day and it makes a massive difference. Um, So I'd highly recommend (laughs) to everyone. I totally agree. That's one of my favorite daily habits. I did that like fitness challenge 75 hard over the summer. um, And one of your uh, one of your workouts has to be outside. And I would say like 95% of the time I just went for a walk. And it is it's the physical release. But it's also and this is kind of like an added bonus on your walk is do it without headphones 
which is really hard for a lot of us, especially if you're like a millennial or younger, like it feels like we're headphoned up like all the time. But if you do it without headphones, what that does is we have very, very little space in our day, especially if you're a high achiever, you have very little space in your day where you're not like working on something. You're not problem solving something. And sometimes we can get into these head spaces where we feel very, very stuck. Like we can't solve the problem. If you're a business owner, maybe you're having a period where you feel really uncreative or you just kind of feel like you're just repeating the same emotional pattern over and over again. And you're frustrated when you take these spaces where you're not working on something and you just kind of let your mind wander. It's it like shakes ideas loose. It like it's that this little bit of white space that your brain can take in so many different directions. Sometimes I even end up doing the processing while I'm out walking. Like I pull up my phone and I just start talking into it while I'm walking, which I get some very weird looks from people when I do that, but I do. Um, So it's like, there's so many benefits to it. It's the physical benefit, but it's also that space it creates in your day, which just can free up so much creativity and just give your subconscious a space to process things that you're stuck on. I can relate to that because last week on Saturday, my husband goes on a walk with his parents um, every Saturday morning and I have really bad knees and so I don't like to go on hikes, but this time I was like, okay, maybe I'll I'll join in for a hike, which I know his, I'm like, I love my in-laws and my in-laws are really happy when I'm there with them. So I usually had to some and then I'd go home. I'm like, bye. <laughs> um, but this time I decided to go with them because I've been in such a creative block because I finished all these massive projects. I was telling Gemma, like my, my plushies are coming in today and I did all these pins. I did all these things for like fall season, blah, blah, blah. But the, I never had any, that was all administrative work. I never had any time for creating new work and when going for that hike with the exception of thinking I'm gonna break my hip um and my knees are about to pop off or something I I noticed that when I was walking with them so it'd be four of us if I was walking with them I'm I'm thinking about what they're saying or I'm thinking about them but when I lagged behind is when I pulled out my phone going like that'd be a really cute picture if I if I drew Kit with that picture, I'm just going to take a quick picture. If I was by myself with no headphones on, which if usually if I'm walking by myself, I put on headphones for sure. If I'm walking with William, like for our afternoon walk, I'm talking to him. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not really doing anything else, but thinking about our conversation, but walking alone got like my creative juices going, going just like, I don't even know what I was thinking. I don't even know if I was thinking. But I just remember walking by this log. I'm like, that's a cute log. Let me take a picture of that log. <laughs> that's how yeah. I felt. I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah. What I don't think I've out? ever been in a block and gone and then gone on a walk. Oh my God, that rhymed. Um, I don't ever think I've had a <laughs> block and then gone on a walk and not come back without a whole bunch of new ideas. Like I get so many ideas for content when I'm out walking and thank God I have a system to store it all because I'll come back and I'll be like, I should do a YouTube video on this and I should do a podcast on this. I just get so many ideas when I'm out walking and same thing with like, I was out walking the other day and I started thinking about past relationships and reasons why those hadn't worked and places, you know, instead of blaming the other person, which is always our MO when we're in, you know, have a relationship end. I was thinking about, okay, what did I screw up about this relationship? Like in what way did I like, push them away and like those thoughts they'll just randomly come up and it's like things that I you know you need to think about you know you need to work through but we never slow down enough to have those thoughts pop up and that's the beauty of something like going on a walk and just not putting on headphones is you're just letting your brain go where it needs to go to get you where you need to be that's really interesting I remember a headspace guy he also mentioned that, how you shouldn't try to control your thoughts. There's like that animation of like you're the wrangler, but inside the pit and the horse is outside of the pit. And like sometimes you can reel it back in if your mind wanders a little bit too far. But then other than that, you should just like let it casually walk. But I can see how that can sometimes backfire on some types of people. By some types of people, I'm looking at her because <laughs> Gemma... <laughs> um, Gemma has this thing where once her creative juices gets going, or she's stressed, <laughs> it's either or. It's either or. She will write down everything 
and then she'll somehow overwhelm herself (laughs) (laughs) and then she'll burn out because of it i'm not even joking she will write down like a massive project and like sorry not one she'll write down like 10 (laughs) and then write down all these youtube videos that she wants to do and all these other things that she wants to do and then she'll work on all of them all at once and then one week later she'll be like candace i'm i'm not okay (laughs) (laughs) well an example that comes to my mind is um in i think it was december last year i because it was only six months after leaving my full-time job to work for myself and I was worrying about finances and I was like okay I need a plan so I planned out the entire year I think it was like it was definitely at least week by week exactly what I was going to do which YouTube video I was putting out which blog I was putting out how many times I was posting on social media what topics I was covering blah 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 for an entire year and like I was stressed just looking at it. Like I did not have any time to do any any relaxation like in my plan. I'd planned out my entire life for the year and then I changed my mind on what I wanted to do anyway. I saw so that it document. became completely re- redundant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that plan. She like, she was so proud of it after she made it. <laughs> it's like all headlines all like subtitle like those um little tabs that google docs has for you now when you use a header or whatever down to the t of every single week of what she was gonna do and i looked at it she kept scrolling and i'm like oh oh okay oh my god it keeps going (laughs) it keeps going (laughs) um and i was like should i mention it to her now or should i just let her figure it out and then she figured it out because like halfway through she was like i i can't do this Mm Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like a lot of high achievers, we plan for stress relief because we feel really prepared when we have a plan. But then if you then look at the plan and the plan stresses you out, red flag. I need like an actual red flag that I can like hold up when that happens for coaching sessions. But like, yeah, um, I, I think of it like I loved that you that you did that, but I think what you like that's missing ingredient in there, which I find that a lot of people do, frankly, even for like like workout plants, like to again shift the kind of focus, make it like a very holistic look at burnout. People do it for workout plans too, where they're saying, Okay, I'm gonna get in shape. And instead of, oh, I'm reading a book right now and he uses this analogy a lot, instead of saying, I'm just gonna go out and try to work my way up to being able to run a mile. If you haven't ran in six months, they're like, nope, I'm gonna run a marathon in May. And we make these plans that are like astronomical for where we are currently at. And instead, what I always tell people to do with self-care, with business, like especially like your content strategy in business. And I'm not a marketer, like I'm not a marketer in any way, shape or form, but I very much look at stuff like this through the lens of burnout. I say set a minimum. When I launch my podcast, my podcast trailer still to this day says this is a monthly podcast. That was the minimum I was setting is I'm going to release a new podcast episode every single month. Currently, I am in a massive creative period and have made space and I'm releasing new content just about every week on my podcast. And I'm kind of of the opinion then that if I do do then ramp back down, like even to biweekly, if I release a new episode every two weeks, that's still me over delivering to the people who listen to my podcast. If I only release one in a month, like in December, if I decide, you know what, screw it, I'm done. I'm not going to do a lot of podcasts this month. I'm going to take a break. If I still release one podcast in December, I am holding the promise that I made to my podcast listeners and the promise I made to myself. And that's what I like about the idea of minimums, like for self-care routines, for habits. If it it seems like if you don't meditate at all, don't say I'm going to start meditating for 15 minutes every single day. Honestly, just start meditating for two minutes or five minutes. And if you're able to check that off, awesome. You can go beyond that. But what's the minimum? The minimum is the promise that you make to yourself. And if you go beyond that, that's great. But the minimum kind of helps you keep yourself in check. I heard a quote the other day from the guy who wrote Atomic Habits, James Clear. Great book. Um, But he said something along the lines of when it comes to our habits, a lot of us tend to set habits for what we can accomplish on our best day. And we should set our habits for what we can sustain even on our worst days. And I feel like that speaks to the same idea. 
Wow. That actually, yeah. I I remember telling Will as well, because he's not... See, I can run. Well, I used to be able to run. I used to try to aim for a marathon until I realized that it's not ideal for me to go from, like, I've never run before, to... And then I started doing, like, the 5K, the... Like my local areas, BMO 10K, Canada Day 10K, and stuff like that. And then when William decided, to, my William is my husband. He decided to join me for running. He was like, "Yeah, let's let's go for um a run." I'm like, "Oh yeah, let's do my usual." Keep in mind, I haven't run for like like actually tried running for two three years. And I'm like, "Let's go for half an hour." I died after five minutes. <laughs> Candace, that's nothing. I um in the UK we have well maybe you have it where you both are um but there's an app called Couch to Five K. It's yeah, so we have that in the UK and I I've had family friends that have been couch potatoes that now run, run marathons and I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And I'm not joking. At the end of thirty minutes, bear in mind it's mainly walking with like five minutes of running like sprinkled in the middle. I generally thought I was going to have to get my boyfriend to drive over to the park, which is two minutes away, to come <laughs> collect me because I cannot move. <laughs> but what I find interesting, I guess I can use this as a metaphor, like when I first ran for a minute, I was so unfit that that minute was seriously challenging and to those to people that are unfit will understand how much of a struggle that is and then it said I had to run for three minutes and I was like there is no way I'm going to be able to run for three minutes but I gave it a go and eventually I was able to get to three minutes and then I was able to get to five minutes but if (laughs) if I said right I'm gonna run 5k by the end of the year mindset wise like I'm never gonna feel like I'm gonna be able to achieve that but pushing myself just to do like an extra couple of minutes every couple of weeks was so much better um and then it got cold and I quit but the, the, the theory is <laughs> that if you try and improve a little by little that it will help mm-hmm. yeah the the book I'm uh, you guys are so cute I love I feel like you're just like constantly looking at each other when you say things of like I know I know you I know what you're talking about <laughs> so great (laughs) i'm reading a book right now though that speaks exactly what you were saying it's the book is it's been out for a while and it's actually great if the guy is not a comedian in real life he should be because he's very funny but it's called finish by john acuff and basically he's addressing this fact that for so many of us like we're great at starting things like we're great at starting things but we're terrible at finishing things and and it's because he's really addressing perfectionism in the book. And I think he's really on to something because he's essentially saying for so many of us, the reason why we're great at starting things and we're terrible at finishing things is because we do exactly what we were just saying. Uh, we just say, well, I'm going to go run a marathon. And then you go outside and try to run for a minute and you're like, this sucks ass. I'm not mm. going to try to run a marathon. <laughs> and, we, and we quit immediately because we realize how freaking unrealistic the goal was. And he's like, we do that with everything. You know, it's it's not I'm going to start a business. It's I'm going to quit my, my I'm going to replace my six figure corporate income in the next three months and quit my job. And we don't allow ourselves to shift the the goal to change the timeline to do any of these things that would make the goal achievable because we're coming at it from a perfectionistic mindset. It's non-negotiable for so many of us. I think even just doing something once off without having to make it a bigger thing. So for example, I had a real love-hate relationship with running. Like I do not consider myself as someone that enjoys exercise. But I did have moments where I actually enjoyed those runs and I was really proud of myself for pushing myself. And occasionally I get the urge to go for a run, which is really odd for me. And I'm like, oh, but it's getting cold and I I don't think I could do the couch to 5k. And in my head, I think I can't just go for a run because I fancy a run. It has to be this whole thing and I have to complete this like 12 week program. (laughs) 
when actually like me going for a run would actually be probably great for me and like Mm -hmm. you know getting some fresh air and getting some exercise but no (laughs) it doesn't fit into a 12-week plan so I can't do it (laughs) I love it you try to turn the simple act of going for a run into a goal or a project or this big thing (laughs) and it could just be a run yeah could just be a run something even more yeah something even more simple and uh reaching out to the the gamers out there who may have heard of this game called valorant um recently well since this podcast is coming out recently vct which is their championship just finished and my husband and i were playing the game and he's usually playing this rule called controller and so what controller does is help their teammates which is basically control the map as much as possible to help the team and usually because you're a team player which doesn't generalizing it could be bad which doesn't really happen when you're playing with kids that are like 12 to 15 they usually play for themselves they don't play for teams um and so william always had to play controller and he loves playing that role but since the championship came out the pros they see the pros playing controllers and so now we're seeing more people playing controller roles and he's like oh this is William's like oh this is great I don't always have to play the controller role I want to try out different things I'm like okay no 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 no. watch this everyone watch the pro players play and do really well so everyone's gonna try it out they give themselves like oh I'm gonna play like an absolute pro I'm gonna make these like tiktok moves I'm gonna make these pro moves it doesn't work and then they're going back to their their usual agents that they picked out and William's like you know what that happens every year that is so true like like we all yeah we we (laughs) all (laughs) we see these people doing these roles that seem because they've been doing it for a long time it could be anything either like a ceo job or even a barista at starbucks you see them doing their job with ease but that's because they had practice and then when you're like, oh, I want to be like that. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to I'm gonna do exactly what they do. It doesn't work out because you don't have that experience, right? And then you give up. Or you don't have you patience. Said, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then you just go like, no, nah, I can't do it. That, mm-hmm. I, I am guilty of that as mm-hmm. well. Like when I try new coloring techniques, new um, art painting or sketching styles, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I've been drawing for a long time. I can do it. I should mm-hmm. be able to make this exact same image that they did obviously like with my creativity and characters doesn't work out and it's because i set such a unrealistic goal for my immediate goal for myself um it's kind of of a wake up i'm sorry cabbage is just crying in the background yeah i can can hear him (laughs) this must be because i don't have headphones on like you two do i can't i can't hear it yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, it's just I feel like if we did what you know Ellen and Gemma said and just set just smaller goals, like you can have a long term goal. Yeah, but Jen is just setting smaller milestones, like business milestones, life milestones, school milestones. I think that's easier, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Probably reduce the chances of burning out and then Mm -hmm. quitting because you burnt out because i feel like burning out is actually is a trauma like could be a trauma for some if especially if you're experiencing it for the first time and then it'll traumatize you from whatever it is if someone tries like a new school subject and they burn out they'll be traumatized by that experience but they'll blame it on the school subject Mm -hmm. how many how many people and maybe even you guys in this in this call call right now can attest to this say i hate math when in actuality you had a bad experience with a teacher or a particular math class, oh, I'm totally stepping into tutor role right now, but like that's my day job. <laughs> um, but like I see that so often is you have somebody who had a traumatic experience and had to put in so much effort and burned out in math or science or insert whatever subject here and decide that they suck at math, they can't do math, they can't do science and shut themselves off from that in the future. Um, And I think it's the other side of it is you don't have to be a shocker for all the achievers out there. You don't have to be the best 
at every single thing you do. You don't have to be the fittest person in your friend group. You don't have to be the most successful, like high income person in your circle. You don't have to be the best at math in your friend group. Like you, you can just do a thing and finish it and be average at it and not let it stress you out. I sorry that made me think back to uni there was one conversation with my group of friends that still sticks out to me and it was like almost 10 years ago now um where I think I said something like I feel like the dumb one of the group (laughs) like I generally don't feel as smart as you guys and they were like no like I feel like I'm the dumb one of the group you're so good at this and that it was generally like all of us thought that we were the dumb ones because <laughs> we'd, we'd gone from you know feeling quite smart at what is your guys high school and then going to university and then suddenly everyone's fairly brainy and I think everyone kind of feels like they're the dumb one but everyone has a talent and you know when we were all talking with each other and they were saying but I think you're really good at this like you don't see the thing that you're good at. Um, and yeah, we burn really ourselves out to trying to be what everybody else is instead of mm. just owning and recognizing the thing that we're really good at. I feel like, yeah. you know, to like literally throw it back to the beginning of the conversation, one of the first things we said is how burnout can become a lifestyle. These like mindsets that we're talking about of I need to be the best. Like, I don't see what I'm good at. I see what you're good at. And I'm going to try to be that. Those are the ways burnout becomes a lifestyle. And I said something, it's less prominent on my website at this point because it used to, I think, piss a lot of people off and therefore drive a lot of people away. But I still believe this. I do believe that for a lot of people, burnout is a choice. Stress is actually what I do have on my, this is the softer way to say this. Stress is habitual or stress is situational, but burnout is habitual. And we can turn burnout into a habit. We can choose a lifestyle of burnout purely because we have these mindsets that we just don't recognize. And as soon as you can recognize, oh, crap, I do that. Oh, crap, I do that too. And think of some ways in which to step back from that and to stop doing that. That's when you make a change. And that's when you're able to get a handle on your burnout. So... What are some habits that you feel are kind of the quickest wins to work on first in terms of making progress? I think progress? we've talked a lot about some of those habits. Okay. Actually, some of so my like favorites, journaling, journaling processing, um, I think the going for a walk and spending more time in silence. I feel Mm. like is huge. It's part of the reason why I'm such a big fan of meditation. I know there are so many people out there who are like, I've tried meditation. I hate it. Or they'll actually usually what they say is I suck at it. They don't say I hate it. They say I'm bad at meditation. Therefore, I don't like it. Um, But meditation is great. And again, like kind of like you said before, meditation isn't any time you spend in silence. It's not about controlling your thoughts. The visual I like to think of, perhaps it's because I live in the Pacific Northwest, but I like to think of when you're meditating, pretend like you're sitting on top of a mountain and there's a highway below you. And there's a whole bunch of cars driving by on that highway. Those cars are your thoughts. And the idea when you're meditating isn't to watch a car go by and be like, oh, look, that's a red Ferrari. That's a really cool car. I'd like that Ferrari one day. It's not to get attached to the thought as it goes by. It's just to be like, oh, look, red Ferrari. Oh, look, semi-truck, and just watch the cars drive by without investing too much energy in them. And that's why I like meditation, because I think it trains you to not be so reactive to your thoughts, that you don't have to take every thought and, and follow it down a rabbit hole. Now, meditation is probably the opposite of a quick win. So maybe I shouldn't have talked about that, because that is really a long game. I think meditation has a lot of benefits, but to start to see those benefits in your life, you're gonna have to be patient on that one. But I think the walks, the walks in silence, the processing, whether it looks like journaling or talking, you can do verbal processing and it's just as effective as written processing. And I also feel like thinking about some different, I really feel like a quick win is thinking about that analogy we talked about before of if you were to sit down and write down what is everything that's on your plate? 
Like write down every relationship or person that counts on you, every project that you're working on, every hobby that you're spending time in, every side hustle, because some of us have a day job and 80 bajillion side hustles. Like think of everything you've got going on in your life, write it down and look at everything that that's your plate. That's everything that's on your plate. And ask yourself, is that sustainable? And how can you start putting in some minimums into those places, some minimums that you can meet? You can have amazing relationships and not spend time with every single important person in your life every single week. You can have amazing health and not spend an hour and a half at the gym every single day. How can you take what's on your plate? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you which things you should and should not ax out because I don't know you, but like, Look at what's on your plate and start to ask yourself, are there some places that I can make some shifts? Are there some places that I can adjust some minimums here so that this is all a little bit easier to accommodate in my life? Yeah, I feel like writing it out definitely helps people mm-hmm. it's the visual. visualize. Yeah. It's the visual, yeah. Because before I started writing my did list, mm-hmm. um, the to-do list was huge and overwhelmed me because I couldn't, like, yeah, to-do list, I can, you know... I can see it, but I wasn't also seeing how much I was doing. And therefore, it stressed me out more than writing my did list, which is like, oh, I saw myself doing that. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to write that out. But if I were to minimize, like, look at the minimum of everything, it's kind of like what Gemma has told me before. It's like, uh, what is a should do and And could do? Which is a must do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or something like, yeah. And it was just... I made like two like a Venn diagram type of thing and what could be like an in-between and I was like okay so so all of these things that I write down definitely I don't need to put it all in the must do that's impossible like I would I need to think about why I'm putting it there in the first place so our audience are small business owners um and I think there's like two categories there's people that work day jobs and then are doing this as a side hustle and then there are people that are doing this full time that are kind of hustling to make enough money to be able to keep doing it um and I'm kind of interested in how you suggest people those two different categories manage burnout because it's different pressures I think yeah yeah I think with the I actually think the harder of the two is the person who's trying to go is full-time and trying to continue going full-time and hustling for Mm. that um I think that's a lot harder because there's pressures there that you might have less control over so I actually feel like the biggest thing to support you in burnout there is to have social support I think it's really important to seek out support from other business owners um, because they're going to understand you. You're going to be able to to vent to them, to tell tell them what you're going through. And social support's one of the most well-studied things that really helps people manage burnout. Um, so I would say the biggest thing there is to get social support and also just to make time for yourself, even if it's small things. Again, even if it's minimums, making time for yourself, that's going to sustain you. That's going to give you the energy to push forward. Um, so those are probably be my two like quick tips for people who are full time people who are side hustlers, because this is still what I'm doing in my business. My biggest recommendation is because this is the thing I did wrong. Don't compartmentalize your work. Don't think of it as this is the time I'm spending on my side hustle. This is the time I'm spending on my day job. Think of all of that as one big career bucket, one big professional bucket, because I think when you separate them, that's when you can really, really overload yourself in your side hustle and think that it's manageable because you're only looking at your side hustle. Whereas instead, like how I do this is, yeah, I'm working two jobs, so I probably work like 50 or 60 hours a week. Like, I'll be honest about that. But that's my cap. I won't let myself go above 60 hours a week. And I track my time. I track the time that I'm spending working in my day job and working in my business to make sure I don't exceed that. So I that's kind of how I would recommend approaching it, because it's really, really easy to convince yourself you're not working enough um, when you're just looking at your side hustle and you're just looking at the things that you've accomplished there. But when you look at the entire picture that's when you really start to get a perspective of what you're doing, how much time you're putting in, and what is actually actually reasonable to expect of yourself. So that would be my tip for a side hustler. Yeah, I, th- I think 
Um, one tip I would give to people that are side hustling is to make sure that what they're doing is valuable. And I say that as someone who, you know, wanted to become full-time, but I was spending my entire weekend like creating YouTube videos that, you know, it they took up loads of time and it's really hard to grow a YouTube channel. And, you know, I'd spend loads of time doing social media stuff, but actually if I'd focused on something that Income made me generating. money yeah. first, yeah, <laughs> I was focused on, you know, giving out free content. So I was working excessive hours on free content and not gaining money back, which I think you need to decide if you're side hustling, whether you want it to become full-time or if you want to keep it as a side hustle and kind of switch up your approach in, in that way as well. Yeah. In terms I, of your boundaries. I almost kind of have the opposite opinion of it's okay that you're indecisive for a while because I think that sometimes you need to... Like you don't want to trade like your ball and chain nine to five for something else that you don't like. So I think it's really important too that you put in like your due diligence to make sure the thing that you're working toward is actually something you enjoy doing. And I think it's really important to then do that from a lens of I'm not going to put a lot of pressure on this to grow and grow quickly. I would not still be a coach if I had that expectation because I frankly started building side hustles eight years ago. It's been a really, really long time. So if I'd put that time pressure on myself and forced myself to create a business that I didn't actually like, I don't think I would still be here today. I think I would have gone right back into science and been miserable still. So I kind of have the opposite perspective, but I mean, I think it's good that we presented those two perspectives. Whoever's listening, like just think of which one resonated more with you, which one sounds more like an approach that's going to work for you, because that's the important thing. So Ellen, um, thank you so much for today <laughs> and for putting up with the technical difficulties at the start. <laughs> um, it took us about 15 minutes to actually record, start recording um where can people find out more about you I know that you have a membership for people who want to reduce burnout so yes I do tell us more about that <laughs> yeah I'm coach Ellen everywhere and again e-l-l-y-n I don't think I said this earlier but coach Ellen mm -hmm. is e-l-l-y-n I know I spell Ellen weird mm -hmm. but I always joke that I'm identity theft proofed um but I'm coach Ellen <laughs> everywhere coach Ellen on Instagram um, I am Coach Ellen on Twitter, though I don't really use Twitter, so I don't know why I'm talking about that. CoachEllen.com is like my my place. So that is really where to go if you really want to learn more about me. Um, my background, check out my blog, check out my podcast. It's all on there. Um, and then, yeah, like, like Gemma mentioned, I do have a newly released membership um, called the Anti-Burnout Collective. It's a tiered membership, so it's really designed to like meet you where you're at. If you need foundations, you're going to go to the ABC, which stands for Anti-Burnout Collective. Um, you're going to go to the ABC community if you just need those foundations. If you're somebody who's experiencing burnout that's constantly coming back, you're going to want to go to the ABC Inner Circle. And then I also have a VIP option for my people who are just freaking over hustling and want to work less and live more. So amazing <laughs> well I've really enjoyed this um just like talking about burnout I'm kind um, of just like BSing about burnout yeah <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend um getting in touch with Ellen because I had a coaching call with Ellen and I, I am a crier for those that don't know and I was really really burnt out before I had a coaching call with Ellen was fully expecting to just bore my eyes out because I was having such a hard time. But I felt so, so good after having a call with Ellen, genuinely, like, thank you. I, I learned a like, lot today too. I yeah. definitely felt so happy, like for a week after the call, it was so good. Go check her out. <laughs> um, and thank you to everyone for listening. We will catch you in the next episode. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. Bye.